You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 511, it's new, it's GB News. Is it any good though? We say hooray for Hall and Oats and do your ears need spatial audio? That's all coming up after Fleetwood Mac and secondhand news. Interesting in retrospect to note that Stevie Nicks says that when Fleetwood Mac toured to promote the new Rumours album in the spring of 1977, the new material received a hostile reception from fans at the gigs, which mm. is amazing because if they played the whole <laughs> of the Rumours album now, you know, people would say, oh, I've got to go and see that. Um, this is the first track on the album, remarkably upbeat, considering it was written by Lindsay Buckingham about his breakup with Stevie Nicks. From 1977 and the album Rumours, Fleetwood Mac and Secondhand News. Yes, I completely agree. It's a little bit their version of Dylan going electric, wasn't it, really, that people were sort of like, oh, you've gone soft, you know, literally yes. in their case, you know, what 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 are you doing? But no, like you, like you say, it's, it, I guess it speaks to this idea that Fleetwood Mac are two bands, really, aren't they, essentially? Yeah, and, and, and you know, once people got their head around that, and that's all well and good. And also, you, you and we might this might come up later in the programme today, the idea that, yes, OK, Fleetwood Mac were successful previously, but, you know, they did a very good job of pivoting from having quite a few fans to having everyone in the world as a fan didn't they really good point yes welcome to the parish council it's episode mm. 511 i'm terence stackham and um yes sir she can boogie it's juliet harris <laughs> but i need a certain song yes yeah. hello it's a scott <laughs> scott's boogie mania of course yes. i'm not i'm not a scott and not especially a boogie at the moment who is but um <laughs> but yes i i appreciate you speaking to my disco heart good morning everyone this will not be an echo chamber for the metropolitan mindset, said <laughs> Andrew Neil as he opened up the new TV station, GB News, with one of his poorly written monologues. Um, <laughs> 
GB News is going to, and I quote, inform, inspire and entertain, he told us. Now, that same launch evening earlier this week, we were were, um, rewarded by a long show from Dan Wooten, who looks and and he has the manner of a shark about to snap off one of your limbs. He does. Um, yeah, I, I didn't feel informed, inspired or entertained as a seemingly endless number of glitches queued up, really, to cast a cloud over that launch night. Jules, I don't know if you would confess to owning a metropolitan mindset, but have you been inspired, informed and entertained by the first week of GB News? Well, I've been dipping in and out of it. And but well, I mean, the thing that has really, I think, shocked me about GB News it's just how cheap it all is. You talk about the, you talk about the, uh, you know, the sort of the glitches and that. I mean, I, spelling errors on their sort of captions just mm. seem to be a, a matter of course. There's a, there's a dedicated <laughs> Twitter account called at GB News Fails that is chronologuing them, and that running that account must be a full time job because just nothing <laughs> seems to work. I don't know who the camera people are. I presume they used to work on Acorn Antiques because just no, <laughs> no. Shot. I mean, I was watching the breakfast show this morning, and they were introducing a woman called Rosie Wright who had done what what they tried to pump up as a news trip round Britain to take that a road trip to take the temperature of Britain. Well, firstly, she when they went, and here's Rosie Wright. I mean, uh, presumably they hadn't given the camera person coffee because it took about three minutes of panic oh, to actually get no. all of Rosie Wright into shot. Oh. By the way, Rosie Wright's, uh, you know, state of the nation road trip mostly seemed to be her going to see their colleagues in parts of Britain. Um, <laughs> I saw our new, I went to the northeast and saw our news editor there. That's a work meeting. That's not a. That's not a state <laughs> of the nation thing. It was. It was the adverts for walking baths and, and and such similar Channel Four countdowns style advertising in between only goes to show the sort of cheap nature of the whole end I, I just and, and also the people on it that genuinely seem to have real clout like Simon although I say he's a real clout Simon what's his name from BBC News the man that was famous for holding a ream of paper instead of an iPad Simon which I McCoy. think Exactly, which just about, I think, speaks to the, the level of people that are on this programme. People like him, quite a lot of the presenters like him, looked like they were sort of dying inside as they were presenting it. I think I got the impression, that to quote our old friend from the Labour Party, this isn't a very good, I don't think this is a good idea, Seamus. That was the whole sort of vibe of the thing that was going on. I watched this morning some of the Great British Breakfast on GB News, which is an ironic title, most of it made me feel quite quite sick but I was I was watching um a, a woman being interviewed and you know when you stumble in halfway through and I, I I feel with GB News even when I watch the thing from the beginning I have stumbled in halfway through very little of it seems to make any kind of sense it's they tr- they've tried to it's weird they it would work better if they tried to casualize it and make it into mm. just people having a chat but instead it's people having a chat dressed up to the nines on a news set it's, it's really weird and they were they were talking to a ceramicist woman who was who was they got on to moan about the fact that that some ceramicist has apparently been cancelled by Tate Britain or whoever it is and artist cancelled was in huge letters across the screen it felt very sensationalist it felt it felt not dissimilar to Good Morning Britain on ITV except it had none of the professionalism about it and apart from Andrew Neil they haven't got any big names no. who, you know, where, where's as much as I hate him, where's the Piers Morgan who, mm. as well as being a terrible person, happens to be an excellent journalist at moments. And I never got the impression that that there is. And, and this this woman, uh, you know, who was who was doing I'm trying to look up her name Iman, I think her name might be. Um, and she was attempted. She was the only person of colour that I noticed on 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 GB News. But she was doing this interview with this woman, and she was saying, "Oh, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here." And it's like, no, you're interviewing. You you you're not in the pub going, "Oh, no, no, no." You 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 have to be a robust interviewer. I got the impression that it wanted to to have the cake and eat the cake at the same time. Um, I was very sorry to have um, to have missed the NHS doctor and DJ. Um, he apparently had been on by the time I switched on this morning. You could GB News that the Twitter account has tweeted a thing. Um, he is supporting Fatboy Slim on his UK tour. He joined tonight live with Nana Ukara yesterday for the Great British Dance Off. Um, it's 
was God. it feels it feels like a weird uh, i mean but the story the news stories they appear to be reporting on a semi-serious note i never got the and i know that people constantly whack the bbc for being biased although having said that the fact that the whole spectrum seems to want to hit the bbc in the knees for being biased at any point in time makes me think that perhaps they 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 might not be that biased whereas every story seemed to have a very obvious agenda it was very foxy i think the way that that Mm. things were were set out with these kind of slightly hysterical captions and that's what made it so entertaining that they were trying to be like fox with the kind of the slickness of the anchors and stuff i don't know what kirsty gallagher's doing on there frankly she was the, the person i was the most surprised to see having come over from sky of all of them but it, it it was it was sort of terrifying and comic at the same time the thing that it reminded me of and i know i reference this sometimes on, on this podcast is the program years and years that was on BBC One, I think. It was Russell T. Davis's sort of six-part mm. drama series, t- taking a, a peek into it, and actually a rather terrifyingly accurate mm. peek into how our, our world was going to go. And uh, Viv Rook, played brilliantly by Emma Thompson, the, uh, the sort of, um, well, she ends up being the fascist leader, doesn't she, essentially? Mm the businesswoman, because she can't get, because she's cancelled and no platformed on main TV because people think she's idiotic. She sets up her own TV channel and, and, you know, occasionally does these puff pieces where she's doing exercises on TV and stuff. It felt a bit like Viv Rook's channel, really. It was, it was really, it was, it was, and I know that I am, you know, perhaps, what, hilariously, you talk about Metropolitan Views, I'm literally wearing a t-shirt with centrist dad on it. So, so I suspect that GB News might might not have been but I tried to watch it with a sort of an open mind the, the Stuart Jeffries excellent excellent piece in the Guardian just about you know sort of skewers just how terribly put together the whole thing is I mean interestingly he makes the point that um that um uh, you know he, he, his description they got they wheeled alan sugar out to launch night which i'm sorry that i missed um oh, terrible. Just, i mean i mean so so stuart jeffries said alan sugar filled the viewer questions from his computer in chigwell where judging from his zoom backdrop he has spent lockdown building a super swagged bedroom tent in his back garden god love him like an Essex socrates or manuel in 40 towers lord sugar had nothing to declare but his ignorance asked about the prospect of extending lockdown he replied i have no clue when this thing is coming to an end i'm not a doctor i'm no scientist and the thing is changing every day and i have no idea thank you for your insights lord sugar <laughs> what about taking the knee asked another where would i take the knee sainsbury's and he told about his knee op like some dear old granddad leaning on the garden fence as the long day closes and you yeah. wish you were somewhere else did anyone say appointment to view tv no they did not i mean it is it, and and it's interesting that as they say the elephant in the room is who hasn't signed up rather than who has and this sort of lack of big names there's no piers morgan there's no nick ferrari um there's these are the a-listers that it needs mm. if it's going to have reach as well as ratings and it could very much end up with with sort of nothing the whole thing is so amateurish this is what i'm so surprised at because because andrew neil for all that he is completely ridiculous in many ways he's very good at what he does when i've seen him share election nights he's very very sharp and very good Uh, they mustn't they i thought they'd have a lot of money interestingly it would seem that they don't and that the the fascists if the fascists are putting their money anywhere it is not here um somebody said that one of the presenters said um we are unmuffling the muffled voices i mean it's it's this is i i my friend texted me on friday morning and went is this Chris Morris's new thing? Is mm. is this what is 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 this the day to day of the channel? And in a week's time, we're all going to find out that we've been had. I mean, it just <laughs> it felt so surreally bad that I'm wondering if it is some sort of situationist prank. <laughs> I mean, it's it. I would recommend it on the basis that it is so awful. There is. I mean, you will. You're never more than half an hour away from a bliss place apostrophe. You're never more than ten minutes away from the wrong camera. I would recommend it on that basis alone. It it wasn't a good sign that so many of the mistakes and glitches weren't sorted out before the launch. Yes, of this and that they've, conti- uh, they've continued on during the week, as far as I can tell. Oh, None oh, of them really stopped very much. Very much so, yeah. No, 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 I mean, 
for example, the morning after the I watched the breakfast show on the morning after the launch. Mm. And it was simply terrible, as you say, awful presenters, um, including I, I'm sad to say, Kirsty Gallagher, who seemed to take yes. the lead and was all hesitation and yes. you knows and well, I, and I think she's worked out that it's a bad idea, frankly. Yeah, Anybody with. Well, her and, and and Simon McCoy, I think the two of them have fallen in because that I would I would have rated them not highly, but I would have rated them reasonably mm. in terms of being journalists. Anybody that has done this before knows it's appalling. Whereas the Michelle Jubris of this world, former Apprentice candidate who is chairing for them, how would they know any better? They're not news oh, reporters. Dear. The sound quality was awful, and often mm-hmm. um, the one strange thing which has continued through the week is that the sound is out of sync with the picture. Yes, the- I noticed that. Yeah, the studio and the lighting is woeful. They have, for the sort of talk pieces like Andrew Neil and so on, they have a black studio backdrop, but it is dark, dark black. And this means that anybody, say, wearing a a white shirt or who has sort of a light skin, they look like a light bulb. And anybody (laughs) with, say, a dark suit or particularly anyone with black hair, just disappears mm. into the backdrop. You would have thought they would have sorted that out before which, they even went to it. It looks which, cheap. Which, which makes me think this is not a serious enterprise because anybody with any kind of talent doesn't seem to want to be involved in it. Or, no. And the ones that are seem to be regretting it by the second. Yeah, it comes across as a radio station with cameras and talk radio yes, already absolutely. do that much better. What I think, though, and I feel very strongly about this, I don't know how you feel, what I think is utterly dismal and where I lend my support to GB News is what I feel is imbecilic and worrying, a worrying boycott by some advertisers simply because GB News is going to allow the expression of a conservative viewpoint. And I would say the same if a company withdrew its ads from a yeah. station giving liberal or left views. It's very troubling for mobs to be intimidating any media advertisers and those advertisers to crumble and withdraw because... GB News is not promoting the Third Reich. They're not inviting viewers to don jackboots and march through the East End. Well, not, offering... not, not, not at the moment. I mean, <laughs> we, we, we've debated this previously about whether or not it is a slippery slope. It's, it's, and the, the lack of fact-checking in places concerns me, but go on. Yeah, it's offering a point of view, and that should be welcomed, I think. Not put out of business it, it's a point of view maybe opposite to our own well, and pretty ill-informed that, i think that's my issue with it but anyway well i still say if it's offering any views whatsoever that aren't even if the, they're junk so so if they had anti-vaxxers on would that be okay yes it would i would say good yes i would because we need to hear other stances to help us make up our own minds this suppression of free expression i think is really tiresome and troubling well, I mean, it it is, although it, I worry in a world in which it, anybody can say anything that isn't factually factually based. It's it's well, I mean, having said that, there were some excellent quotes from, and, and I think again, this speaks to where GB News is falling down because it doesn't have enough good people. They, this um, this uh, fun enough on the BBC. So to be fair, people whack the BBC. The BBC are reporting this. Piers Morgan attacks IKEA for pulling advertising from News Channel. Um, p- pathetic virtual signing twerps was uh, was was <laughs> Piers I, Morgan's quote. I, I very much enjoyed and and well, I did enjoy Andrew Neil's response response actually um and this is even if you hadn't have told me that this tweet was written by Andrew Neil I would have known it was because of the way it is phrased IKEA has decided to boycott GB News because of our alleged values here's IKEA's values a French CEO is a who is a criminal with a two-year mm. suspended jail sentence for spying on staff I mean it is a bit I mean when you read that the way that that some of the brands of uh of, so, so people that were drawn Roxbus Energy and Copperberg um Copperberg Cider um I I mean I I'm not quite in the same place as you, but even I can see the absurdity of a tweet that read that reads Copperberg or Copperberg is a drink for everyone, and we've immediately suspended our ads from this channel pending further review of its content. Octopus Energy have said that they would only run out if it proved genuinely balanced. I think the thing that I that I I think the thing that I find about it 
is you know in a way it's sort of feeding into them isn't it because because there was i've seen more than one discussion about cancel culture and to be fair the bbc the the the, the breakfast presenter woman whose name i am now trying to find oh here we are inia folarinimon who was one of the better presenters i thought in the time that i saw when she was interviewing this cross feminist ceramicist this morning <laughs> she they were talking about i mean it had to be seen to be believed anyway but they were talking i can't even remember what her name was claudia something I don't know. Anyway, um, th- there was no caption on the screen telling me who she was. Mm. That's another amateurist thing. I was just expecting to know these people again, adding to the sort of casualty of it. But they were talking, uh, you know, and she and she was sort of, you know, although I've just mocked her for saying play the devil's advocate, she said, well, you know, people talk about being cancelled, and then they're then you know then they're in the big papers and things, and it seems to me like cancel when people talk about being cancelled more often than not and i know that we've occasionally taken a ride sideways glance on this very podcast to this kind of thing but when people talk about being cancelled they they keep talking about being cancelled aren't they they're talking about being cancelled and and so if you're pulling advertising from gb news that puts more flames onto their fire of talking about being cancelled because if you just continue to put an ad for copperbird cider on there I mean, ultimately, it's up to it's up to advertisers where they want to advertise. Mm, it does make it does make me chuckle a little bit that that the free marketeers like Andrew Neil are there moaning that people don't want to advertise on their channel. It does that that aspect of it makes me chuckle. I must admit, because you know it's up to them to make the decisions. I mean, I suppose. I think the whole thing's going to become academic because I doubt this is going to be going in a year anyway. And why would you want to advertise on a channel that's going to have 20,000 viewers in on a Wednesday afternoon, which I suspect is probably where this is going to be. The, the last thing I would say on this is that if Copperberg cider, say, or our um, drinks are for everybody... Um, then surely that also includes Andrew Neil and Kirsty Gallagher. <laughs> yes, so, you know, that's, that's well, the I look forward stupidity to seeing, of the argument. I look, exactly. So I look forward to seeing Kirsty Gallagher. Well, to be fair, if Kirsty Gallagher was, was swigging Copperberg <laughs> cider on there, it might help her get through the experience right. with a yeah, little less angst. I, I had just a final point. It was so bewilderingly dreadful. Even the weather presenter was bad. I mean, weather presenters are not meant to be bad. They're meant to be, they're just meant to present the weather, aren't they? But even he was awful. Although they did say he was a meteorologist in big letters. No, he's not. For God's sake, no one's anything they say on this. I think that we could probably get on GB News. Well, I can't because I'm an enemy of the people, but you could probably you get on yes. GB News. Um, I'd be welcome, just, Exactly. And and you probably, <laughs> I said, I'm not saying this as a compliment, Terence. You'd be better no, than anybody else on there. It was, uh, it was. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's quite entertainingly awful, isn't it? Really, I think it's. And there were the prank call. I, I agree with you in that the prank callers were tedious. Um, there were various people that wrote it. Although, I again, it was so puerile. Although, having said that. They kept falling for it. That yes. just that shows how amateurish GB News was. They didn't have anybody. Once it happened once, you surely then, you know, check, check, you know, every person that writes in. But no, Seymour Butt still was a regular correspondent. <laughs> and they still, they said, and again, this is all, it's mostly the Simpsons. Though. It, did, it did remind me, this is uh, for non-Simpsons viewers, one of the early themes is, in the show, occasional jokes, is that Lisa and Bart ring up Moe's Tavern and ask and ask him to to call for people so he'll say um uh, can i can i speak to a, a hug and kiss please first name amanda and then the the barman will call to the bar everybody i want amanda hug and kiss and then everyone will start will start cracking up and mo is an extremely violent in his threats towards the children the the, the, I, the one day i hope that the pure correspondence to gb news fall into the same trap as bart does in one particularly good episode where he wants to speak speak to Jash Jas, first name Hugh, and uh, to which Mo shouts, "Is there a huge ass here?" And it turns out there is, and there is a bloke <laughs> called Hugh Jas, and he answers the phone and yeah. says, "Hello, I'm Hugh Jas." And uh, Bart says, "This is a prank call that backfired. I'm very sorry." And the bloke says, "Better not next time," and hangs up. So maybe that maybe they need to start employing people called, you know, <laughs> uh, surname Janus, first name Hugh. Maybe they need to start in- employing these people so that they can then put them on and uh, show the pranksters what's for. Maybe that's the way that GB News are going to win because I can't see them winning in any other way at the moment. No, it's a trial to watch, it has to be said. <laughs> um, coming right up, 50 years of Hall and Oats. Yay! Um, I love Hall and Oats. I'm going to like this. 
That's next after two minutes of the very hottest Northern Soul. Do you want me to get down on my knees? Beg you, baby, please cry a million tears. Do you want me to call you on the phone? Beg you to come home. Think of all the years. When I once lived in paradise. When the love light shone this isn't talked about in terms of the sort of the classics really because there are the certain you know the, the massively excellent do i love you and the night and things like that that are sort of trotted out as the big northern soul classics yeah they are this is brilliant and hardly anybody's ever heard of judy street i'm not sure i know of anything she did apart from this but this is such a great tune i was doing a playlist in friends the other day with uh, songs that were questions and uh, what was very well received i must admit yeah, yeah, two minutes, 15 seconds, and you can visualise Wigan Casino when that gets yes. played. It's a real zinger. And most extraordinary, originally recorded by Groucho Marx's daughter, Melinda, in 1965. I did not know that. That is fascinating. Thank you for That's your research. Um, I can remember the first time I, haul, um, I heard Hall and & Oates, and it was little Nicky Horn playing She's Gone on his show on Capital mm-hmm. Radio. And it was a single that just jumped out at you and I, I think it's fair mm-hmm. to say that they've never lost the art the, the skill to create hit songs ever since and there's I think there's nothing um wrong at all with being described as a singles band it usually means an artist or a band mm-hmm. are supremely talented at writing songs on an individual basis that I guess strikes a chord with the listening public songs that we hear on the radio and stop Stop to check them out. And I think this is borne out by the fact that Hall & Oates albums have all done OK. But mm. if we measure that they've released 18 studio albums in 50 years, but 38 compilations or live <laughs> albums, it tells us their success yes. is in creating individual hit songs. Um, their main period of these hit singles, was, it, it was no passing fad, really, from Sarah Smile and She's Gone in 1976, right through to the early 90s, a constant stream of hit singles. Hall & Oates are in the news this week as they release a single for, in my view, the exploitative and charmless record store day. But Jules, I'm here not for that, but to say hooray for Daryl Hall and John Oates. I mean, just Hall and Oates are, are just, you know, they're one, they're one of those bands who who I think have went through a phase a bit like the Bee Gees did, I think, in the late 70s, mm. early 80s. They went through that stage a bit later, you know, later on in time, where they went from everyone loving them to suddenly being seen as a bit naff and a bit sort of uncool. And they seem to have come through that now. And people rightly just realise that this music lives on 
it, it stands the test of time. It's brilliant songwriting and it lives through fashion and all those sort of things. I remember somebody used to DJ with who was very cool um, trying to and I uh, trying to uh, dissuade me from playing. I can't go for that. It turns out she couldn't go for that. But um, but yeah, she she didn't see them as being cool at all. Yet people flocked over to to congratulate me on playing Hall and Oates. Um, I big fans of Hall and Oates, and this is one of my favourite ever stories. I think um, when Lauren Laverne, who is now presenting the record show on Six Music and has been for some time, um, she originally started off as a presenter on XFM. Right. And I used to listen to this. It was obviously London and then it had a Manchester outpost, but I used to get to listen to it. I'd never heard it. But in 2005, 2006, I was living in Guildford. And so the DAB signals stretched that far. So I was able to listen. It was occasionally a little bit in and out, but I used to listen to the the newly launched Six Music and XFM quite a lot of the time. And uh, uh, Lauren Laverne had to interview Hall and Oates for some reason, or, or they ended up sort of coming into her orbit. And as a special surprise Christmas or birthday present, her team secretly organised them to do a sting for the Lauren Laverne show. And it was literally um, a Hall and Oates, sort of, uh, you know, one of those sort of you're listening to type things. Mm. And it was literally them going, Hi, I'm Daryl Hall, and I'm John Oates, and you're listening to Lauren Laverne on XFM. And she said that in the end, it was taken off her because she would played it between every single song because she was so pleased to have it that in the end it was sort of banned so there are lots of people that very much fall into the love of Hall and Oates excellent piece by Alice Petridis in The Guardian a couple of weeks ago 11th of June so a week and a bit ago a lovely interview in which they came across as well, half spinal tapish in their kind of promotion of themselves, but also not taking themselves too seriously. Really, it's um, I thought they they came a um a they that uh, they they recorded a a, a video um for a, a she's uh, she's gone, which they are in oh, armchairs. It's it's that hilarious, isn't it? Yeah. The local TV show for which they recorded it declined to show it. They called our record company and said, "Who do these guys think they are? They're mocking us. They will never appear on TV again." So that went well. But um, but yeah, I I they just seem to. They, there's an interesting point here. Oates saying that um, they were so odd, odd in the 70s that they managed to to glide into the 80s quite well. In that, as they put it, if you've been filmed marching around a set of armchairs wearing flippers, you were ready for MTV. And I think that their absurdity has kind of um, took the. Uh, took the um stood the test of time they get used in a lot of films they still play arenas um you make my dreams as played after joe biden's victory speech in november apparently they have a real they seem very um baffled by it they describe that song as aggressive positivity which i quite like as a as a kind of a as a vibe i i'm just a huge fan of all the notes really i think i love their music i think that they they manage their pure rock yacht rock in the sense that they manage to to express emotion in often quite a meaningful way but they manage to do it in a way that is kept light so you they're, they're sort of at the ex the, the the ultimate sad party band i think at times i i i and they they are true to themselves they never really seem to have wanted to change who they were very much and they're still packing them in and why not frankly and also the they they uh, they managed to make white soul a thing that works White soul is a very tricky thing to get right and get wrong. And yet they seem they seem to have gained acceptance. They did a, a brilliant. Um, there's a lovely photo of a sort of um, a, a real glitzy kind of, you know, big, big cinema sign set with their names in lights. Daryl Hall and John Oates with David Ruffin and Eddie Kendrick. Oh, that was wonderful. I mean, what there's a, a recording lineup. of that and it's wonderful. I mean, mm. it's I mean, they just I'm not sure if they can do no wrong, but it's, it feels mm. a bit like it to me. Anyway, they managed and, and they took time off for a while. They worked with other people. They just, you know, they just seem like stand up guys. Hooray for Hall and Oates. And also, do you know the circumstance of their meeting, which is pretty jaw dropping, how they first met each other? 
Um, I assume it was in Philadelphia sometime, but I don't know the story. Well, I'll tell you the story to finish off, just to show that you know life throws up very strange. Um, life throws up very strange circumstances, and you can meet people and your collaborators and people that are important to your life in any circumstance. Daryl Franklin Hall, and and or Hall as he was born, and John William Oates first met at the Adelphi Ballroom in Philadelphia <laughs> in 1967. At the time they met, each was headlining his own musical group Hall with the Temptones Oates with the Masters they were there for a band competition yeah. when gunfire rang out between oh two God. rival gangs and in trying to escape they ran to the same service elevator on further discovering that they were interested in the same music and they were both attending Temple University in Philadelphia they started spending time together on a regular basis Amazing. I love the fact and also apparently their, their, their name Hall and Oates was the name on their mailbox when they shared a flat so that's why they called themselves Hall and Oates but uh. um but the idea that they met during a gunfight, literally a sort Nothing of shootout changes, of the it? OK yeah. Corral. And, and they sort of, you know, I love the fact you're running away from gunfire, you get into the lift with someone, you get chatting, you form one of the most influential pop groups of the next 50 years. That's live, I, isn't it? <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a very quick quiz for you and the listeners. Oh, man, here um, we go. This, this record store single, You Make My Dreams mm. Come True, which, by the way, backs up your theory about how songs... Um, get to the top of a band's Spotify list because You Make My Dreams Come True is their most streamed track on Spotify yes. and it's because like the Beatles with Here Comes the Sun it's featured on endless playlists yes. which put it up there also how... films as well it was in 500 yeah. Days of Summer I think which, ah, which right. gave it quite a boom how many plays on Spotify has oh. You Make My Dreams Come True and I'll allow you within a, you know, a certain parameter to get the oh, gold well. prize um you make my dreams come true. How many streams on Spotify? 74 million. 562 Whoa! million. Oh, that's insane. That is absolutely insane. And to go back to the, the record store day, oh, you're Lord. right to be grumpy about record store it day. Is. The pricing has got out of control. I bought one thing this year's record store day mm. because it was something that was genuinely good. And that was a box set of five, seven inch singles. And that was 45 quid, I think. But having said that, there are very few that exist. And I'm, you know, I can, I can pull that in. But anyway, in terms of jaw dropping record store day costs, a friend of ours that was running a record shop that was not participating in record store day had expressed that he wanted an album called uh, an album by a band called minty who i think were a japanese pop band there's some right. they were sort of quite obscure i i will fact check that now because he might listen to this and he will be in touch to tell me mm. if i'm wrong i'm sure but anyway they were reissuing this band this this band's lp on on vinyl yes they were they were formed um Oh, so it's a, um, I'm just trying to find out which band it is, whether or not it is um, Lee Bowery's band that he formed in 1993 or a, or a slightly different band. I, I love Google. It gives you everything that's ever happened under the name Minty. But anyway, he wanted this this album and our friend was going over to do the first thing in the morning thing at a, a store that was taking part in Record Store Day. Right. So she said, oh, well, I'll look out for it for you and I'll try and get it for you if I can. Yes, this was. This was um, this was okay. uh, Lee Bowery's band. Um, so it wasn't who I thought it was, actually. But it was. Okay. But they, they, this first album sort of came out and they decided it's called Open Wide and they decided mm. they were going to reissue this. So she said, OK, then, so I'll get it for you if I can see it. And he went, oh, OK, that would be great. So she picks up the album, manages to get a copy and says, oh, and, and our friend says, of course, how much do I owe you? Yes. Thinking that it was like 35 probably, yes. which is still quite toppy for a double LP. But, you know, you think that. And what our friend said after she should have done, was she should have rung from the yeah. shop. I'm like, how much, you know, do you want this? Do you want me to pay this? 60 pounds oh that's outrageous it's just I, ridiculous i know and and yeah. she of course and then of course she got it and said look i'm really sorry but you said you wanted it and he was like no it's mm. fine and he paid and it was okay but yeah very very see, strange it seemed record store day seems to exploit the passion people have for an artist or band by releasing and it's with deliberation a limited number of copies of a record mm -hmm. in whatever format and that of course, creates a lucrative second market for scalpers yeah. and touts because almost as soon as a so-called limited edition record store product is released, 
it appears at maybe i don't know 10 20 times its face value on ebay and that was surely never the purpose of it in the beginning yeah. i thought it was meant Absolutely. to draw meant back to people quick. into record shops on and a regular basis and there's always there's always a risk of that and unfortunately it did get taken over by the scalpers but mm. it hasn't been helped by ridiculous pricing i mean as we said minty open wide being reissued for record store days exactly the sort of thing you would expect to be reissued for record store days and it hasn't been available for years and is an interesting thing but that surely should be priced at 30 to 35 pounds and you know five years ago i think that probably would have been but yeah, now it just, just seems to become a vehicle, for, a vehicle for greed and i think the big record companies what really accelerated that i think was the big record companies piling in with you know pointless reissues of i don't know if this has actually happened but you know for, for all that for it used to be that, that yeah, there'd be interesting compilation reissues i bought test card i bought the test card a classics reissue which was very unavailable and really enjoyed it and, 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 that, and for that sort of thing it's great but it seems to become you know record companies have flooded the market with i don't know highway to hell on a 12 inch on brown vinyl for 23.99 and it just seems to have pushed it pushed it away like you say from its original names i'm surprised hall and oates got involved in this actually with you make yes, my but we, we sometimes talk about the passage of time and how life mm. becomes concertina the older one gets and i so clearly remember my then girlfriend going to see hall and oates at hammersmith odeon in 1982 mm. and her disappointed report back to me was that daryl hall looks so old and he just turned 36 <laughs> and uh, oh, we thought that was positively age, ancient sake. i know it was like us all it, it made me think that this week of us all looking at live aid in 1985 and thinking paul mccartney you know this old man this veteran yeah. was up there like an exhibit and he was just 43 um but no but hall and oh, a startling ability to write and perform a fantastic string of hits that encompass as you were saying pop soul and dance and it's just in the most exhilarating way they have a fantastic legacy yeah absolutely it will live on i think forever it will go in and out of fashion but it will always come back around coming up next it's all happening with online music spatial mm-hmm. audio spotify green room that's right after hall and oats with that 1970s mm-hmm. single that just jumped out of the radio everybody's Everybody's trying to tell me what is right for me I need a drink and a quick decision Now it's up to me She's gone, she's gone She's gone, she's gone, oh, I, what went wrong? Get up in the morning, look in the mirror The morning has a toothbrush hanging in the stand My face ain't looking any younger
major breakthrough, uh, brilliantly produced by Arif Mardin and a lovely yeah. 1970s Mellotron, heavily featured there. From 1973 in the album Abandoned Luncheonette, Hall and Oates and She's Gone. How how are we getting to that record nearly being you know fifty years old just and it still I think it still sounds pretty fresh actually I I I think it still sounds it's still got something to say I think absolutely um since since the earliest days of the music business there's always been strenuous efforts to persuade us the gullible listener at home <laughs> that we simply must have the next big thing as an example um. In 1992, Sony launched the mini disc, um, and mm. by the way, their MZ mini disc player recorder was all yours in 1992 for $750 <laughs> or 463 English pounds. My wow! God. Then I could also remember being. I was invited to a listening party at I think it was Air Studios in London in the 1970s where we were all invited to sit in the middle of a room and experience quadraphonic sound, Ooh. which was going to be the new must-have format for your, you know, your at-home listening experience. And I seem to remember it was a Barclay James Harvest album that we listened to through these four perfectly aligned Balance, yeah. speakers placed in the corners of the room. A sizable number of albums were released in the 70s in the quadraphonic format, but of course it didn't take off. Well, Flaming Lips had a go at releasing one in the early 90s. Yes, they did. Years after, I'm trying to look this up now because I seem to remember it happening, that you could only, it was on four different, they had each each section of the sound was on a different CD Mm. and you could only listen to the album if you had if you had all four CDs playing at exactly the same moment, you had to press play at the same time on all four. Otherwise it wouldn't. I don't know if that's quadraphonic or just completely unhinged, but I'm trying to look this up now. Only the Flaming Lips would do something like that where they had an, an album. So you'd have to have four fingers hovered yes, over the play button. That was, that was say, what, oh, yeah. go. This is it. It's Zyreka, the eighth studio album by American rock band The Flaming Lips. October 97, the album consists of four CDs designed so that when played simultaneously on four separate audio systems, they would produce a harmonic or juxtaposed sound. The discs would be played in different combinations, emitting one, two, or three discs. Each of the eight songs consists of four stereo tracks, one from each CD. Um, just why not reissue that for Record Store Day? You could make a lot of money from doing that. But yeah, whenever I think of quadraphonic sounds, sorry to interrupt, but I think yeah. of Zyreka by the Flaming Lips. I hope everyone one goes out and buys that that's a total laugh well the thing is that um here we go again jules because apple mm. are now offering lots less audio streaming combined with spatial audio which is a sort of surround sound that is said to make music sound like it's coming from all directions even on headphones now you've got young ears jules are you going <laughs> to become spatial audio aware Oh, I like that. Yes, spatial audio awareness, indeed. I will ju- bump into things whilst listening to music, which is pretty much my life anyway, really. I love this headline from TheVerge.com reporting on this. Um, Apple Music's spatial audio is sometimes amazing, but mostly inconsistent. It's me! They've described my life in a headline. Um, they said it's a very hit-and-miss experience. Um, it's uh, They're talking about spatial audio, lossless quality streaming... Didn't we? I mean, we, all the time. Didn't we have that thing that Neil Young launched that looked yes, like a Toblerone indeed, that was going to be the thing, yeah, yeah that was going to be yeah. the the next big thing, and then it sort well. of wasn't. Yeah, exactly. As much as I like Neil Young, um, it's um, it's it's, and I love the fact that the Eddie Q, who is Apple's senior vice president of services, who oversees Apple Music, seemed to do a bit of a Ratner at the launch. But listeners might remember oh, really? Joe Ratner, who who criticised his own product. Um, he didn't mince words when he told Billboard that the sudden proliferation of lossless audio isn't going to significantly evolve or change how we listen to music. There is no question it's not going to be lossless, he said. Um, <laughs> great, thanks for that. So why am I spending all this money? Um, he says, um, the reality of lossless is if you take 100 people and you take a stereo song in lossless and you take a song that's been in Apple Music that's compressed, I don't know if it's 99 or 98, but can't tell the difference. You feel like saying, why 
why do you put this man out to, to, to sell this? What is if this isn't lossless? What is it? Um, he then really went in and said, um, he then said that the spatial, but then he did aggressively sell spatial thing without actually telling me what it is. It's um, it seems very. I mean, this this reporter here says that some of it just sounds what he just described as off because it becomes an engineer's judgment all over again. Mm-hmm. And so he says some of it sounds distant. Some of it sounds a bit too reverby. I mean, it's apparently about immersion. So it's meant to make you feel like you're stood next to the person on stage. Right. If I, I mean, perhaps this is slightly more valued in a world where we can't go and see live music at the moment, but... If I, in normal times, and I know the, the given value of normal is a very flexible thing at the moment, but in normal times, if I want to be, feel like I'm stood next to the band, I'll buy a ticket and stand next to the band and see them. If I'm listening to music on headphones, if I'm cooking in my kitchen, as I often am, or if I'm, you know, out and about having a walk or something, I just want to listen to music, Terence. That's all I, I want to do. I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't want to have to press, bless framing it, so I don't want to have to press four CDs at once. <laughs> I don't want to feel like I'm in the control room of Abbey Road, which excitingly I will be in August and I will report back. But yeah. I just don't I I just don't understand why people keep wanting to muck around with this really. And I think it's very telling that, that I know that we we've sort of complained about Record Store Day, but vinyl is a thing again now. And I know you slightly poo-pooed my prediction that it would keep growing, but it sort of has. It it mm-hmm. seems to be more of a more I mean it, yes, we're not all listening to vinyl, but it's more of a I sense you never will just despite me. But <laughs> you know we're all we're all um you know that's people want seem to be reaching back towards analog formats so you know it's 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 a little bit this idea of what it's like you're in the room reminds me of eddie Izzard talking and doing a routine once about organic food saying oh you know this is so liberal this is you know this fruit's actually agreed to be in this jam you know i don't need to feel like i made the tea in the studio to be able to listen listen to an album really and spot and spotify green room is perhaps even more allowing uh, sort of allowing alarming in that it will allow so this green room thing allows people to be able to listen to albums together and actually that's quite a fly observation given the success of tim burgess's album online virtual album listening parties which were a big feature for a lot of people in in the first lockdown and that is a lovely thing if we're all living in a slightly more siloed life it's quite a nice way of bringing people together to listen to things. So you can put up to a thousand members in a room. This is the bit that really terrifies me, Terence. And I know it is us saying this, but still, the option to convert the conversations had in the space into podcasts. Oh God! How how much stoned mm-hmm. tripe are we going to have to sit through in people's podcasts? Um, it, there was a, a it's based around a rap, uh, uh, sorry, an app called Locker Room. Bit of a spoonerism there. To which, um, and it, the blog post on the website. You know how much I love reading out corporate speak um, sort of press releases since. Bringing the Locker Room app into the fold, we've been working to expand its capabilities with the goal of creating a live audio experience that would delight creators and listeners everywhere. And we wanted to do it with a Spotify twist that operated as an extension to the app, already loved by 356 million view- million listeners. I I just, you know, I just so much of this stuff just makes you want to take off my shoe and throw it out the window. I just, I just find it so frustrating and there's and it's using a lot of words to say something about not a lot however i will plug another spotify innovation which i've very much right. been enjoying it's something called spotify blend right. and it was it was in, and, 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 and and bizarrely it was introduced to me rather than through a spotify playlist this is the sign i think that as something is going to take off or at least has a sort of a, an organic reach i heard about it through i genuinely heard about it through a friend rather than through a press release mm, so or a word news of mouth. Yes. Uh, she sent me a message saying, mm, I wonder if this will work. I'm not quite sure what this is, but I'm interested to try it. You're invited to join my blend on Spotify. And what it does is you can it, you can say, right, so I want to have a blend of Terence Dackham and Juliet Harris. Obviously, this podcast is that, but I would like a musical blend of them both. And what it will do is it will look at, it will use its, you know, fancy algorithms to look at the sign of stuff that I listen to and the kind of stuff that you listen to and then every week it will produce a playlist like its discover feature that we Mm. used to be very keen on it will produce a blend for us for us both of music for each
each other that we really like and stuff that it thinks we might like so you it's basically the discovery feature expanded to include two people and actually we're really enjoying this we really like listening mm. to, to you know it's a good way of introducing your music to other people with sort of enough of your own in it as well that feature i think is actually really sweet because because you know we, we said it kind of felt yeah. like we were sort of listening to music together really but in our own way i i'm much more charmed by that than i am at the at the at the the thought of a thousand bores getting into a virtual yeah. room together and then making a podcast out of it yeah I'll, I'll come back to the green room in a minute but i was just going to mm. go back to um spatial audio because yes. i listened to quite a few tracks this week that have been highlighted mm. as great examples of yes apple spatial audio and it's probably my age and my years that were ruined at a thousand gigs before the mm, era of decibel maybe, control yes. but i couldn't notice a whit of difference mm. uh, no change or improvements of any sort not to say it isn't there it's just no. i couldn't detect it and plus I, I think also i've become so used to the compressed sound of mp3s that i'm also used to the lower quality and i didn't notice mm. the difference but Going back to this uh, Spotify, who also, by the way, have announced they're going to launch what they call Hi-Fi, which is their lossless stream. So they're going to be launching that very soon as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, they also said they're setting up, they call this thing Green Room. It's a live audio platform, a bit like Clubhouse, and you described mm. it. I'll be, be very interested to know what anybody makes of this over a period of time. I totally agree with you. It sounds like hell on earth to me because an audio room in which up to a thousand people congregate to quote make interactivity and deep connections between participants in live rooms what what that will be really i mean i can't see the point of it because it's nothing more than a chance for idiots to troll in sound mm, now as absolutely. well as by keyboard so absolutely. you know I, I won't be I in spotify agreement no um, i'm not sure i will Thanks very much for listening this week. Lovely to have you along. Yes, I very much echo the sentiments of my of my better podcasting half. And if you're aching to hear more of Juliet, I believe your radio show is now back, back, back. Yes, I have returned to the airways. I say by popular demand. Popular doing quite a lot of heavy lifting there. But um but yeah, I'm I'm back doing my little shows on Sunday evening. You can catch up on my Mixler show reel. So if you're gonna mixler.com forward slash Juliet hyphen Harris or just search my name on there, the show reel button, you can catch up with previous shows or you can listen live on Sunday evenings from seven until nine, where we uh oh, I played She's Gone by Hall and O's last week. So so we 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 do that sort of yacht rock classic pop easy listening easy going smooth sailing sound that's that's what goes on and there are some people that like it and it's fun to do so that's what we do lovely and to play us out wings at the speed of sound another tune which was introduced to my dear friends tim and susan this year who are very keen they're, they're very much church of macca people like i am or church of paul and um and i wasn't familiar with this tune and uh, tim requested that i play it on the show some weeks ago and I love the sort of gentleness of it. I think it's, I think it's so, I, I just, it's, it's, it, I find it sort of warm and welcoming. And I, I suppose that's the kind of the, uh, the, the, the point of the song, I guess. But I think it is so, so lovely. The Billy Paul version is nice as well, but I do like this, this original. I love McCartney's vocal on this. I think it is so comforting. Uh, this is Wings and Let Them In. Someone knocking at the door, somebody ringing the bell. Someone's knocking at the door Somebody's ringing the bell Do me a favour Open the door And let him in Ooh, yeah Someone's knocking at the door Somebody's ringing the bell Someone's knocking at the door Somebody's ringing the bell Do me a favour Open the door, I let him in, yeah, I let
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>